Uh, kiddos, if you haven't made your way, you're going to make your way now. And if you haven't signed your children out, um, make sure. It's not today? Oh, it's the fifth Sunday. Wow. Um, well, let us pray some more then. Um, uh, we're glad our kiddos are in here. So Josiah, Daddy did not lie. He's been asking me all morning, Daddy, when do we get to go? And I said, as soon as Daddy goes up to preach, you get to leave. And he's like, Whew, good. He was nervous. So hopefully you don't feel that way. But if you do, I hope and pray that the Word of God speaks to you and transforms your heart and mind and changes your desires as I need it to do mine. Um, if you were with us last week, Acts 16, uh, we asked that question there. We walked with Paul, and, and you remember how the Holy Spirit forbid them to go, and then the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to, and then finally he has the vision of the man in Macedonia, and they conclude that God's called them to go and preach the gospel. Um, and so we talked a lot about how do you discern the voice of God. This is kind of furthering on that message. We said last week was kind of foundational um, to help us understand what it looks like, and now how does that practically live out? And so what we're going to do is we're going to walk back through Acts 16, and we're going to kind of look through that lens, all right? How does God speak? How does God equip? And then ultimately, how can we live out the calling that God has for our lives? And kind of thinking today, kind of the imagery in my head, I don't know if it makes sense to you, and if it doesn't, then just let it go by, but maybe of a stoplight. That there's a red light up that says, hey, listen, don't do anything until you hear God speak, until God speaks to you. And we said the primary way that God speaks to us is where? Through the Word of God, right? That's the primary way that God speaks to you. We talked about that last week. So let's, let's wait. Let's let God speak. And then kind of that yellow light of, of, okay, if God speaks, then how do I go to live out this calling? We desperately need, what you're going to see today is the Spirit of God. So today we're going to kind of be after some different questions, all right? And so first one this, when does God speak? Right? When does God often speak? I, I, I need to know that. You and I need to know that. We need to be after that. So when's God speak? Because kind of if you've ever been involved in sports, um, one of the things that often is said about coaching is that coaches have a responsibility to get their players in a spot to help them what? To succeed, win, right? I mean, that's, at the end of the day, coaches can't win the game, but they have a responsibility to the best of their ability to get the team in a position that they can win, that they can succeed. So in the same way, how do we spiritually get ourselves to a place where God often speaks? Secondly, where does God speak, right? So if I know when God might speak, often it would be helpful to know where God might speak. Like, where would I need to be? Is it alone? Am I with others? So we're after that. Kind of a third follow-up would be is, well, why does God speak? Have you ever thought about that? Like, why, why would God speak? What, what's the big deal about it? What's the necessity of it? Why does God speak? And if I might know, like, what's the end? What's God after and why He's speaking? That might provide me some clarity of why He might speak to me personally. And so those are some things that we're going to be after today. Kind of looking through the text, Acts chapter 1 through 16, kind of looking at some different examples of how God speaks, how God equips or how He fills us with His Spirit to live out this calling. Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, we hear the words of Christ. Um, what's happening at this point, so kind of stay in the background, is, is that Jesus has been crucified, okay? He was buried on the third day by the power of God. What happened? He was raised again, right? You sing about this this morning. That's, that's the big victory. That's what identifies him actually as the true Messiah. If you walk with them in Luke chapter 23, they said that they had hoped, or two, Luke 24, they said we had hoped that he was the one, all right? But until he is raised from the dead, declaring to all that he is indeed the Son of God, that he has overcome sin and overcome death, now we know that you're truly who you said you are. 
So Jesus has done that. And now for a period of about 40 days after his resurrection, it says that he's seen and believed upon and he walks along the side of the apostles, teaching and showing them. And so Acts chapter 1 verse 4 is kind of the last little bit of that, all right, before he ascends back to the Father in heaven. He literally rises up physically into the clouds and the word of God says in the same way as he departed, he's also going to return physically back to this earth. Amazing to think about, but that's what the scriptures tell us. And so verse 4 of Acts 1 says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. And then verse 8. Verse 8 of Acts chapter 1 is foundational. If you don't get Acts 1-8, you're not going to understand the remainder of the book of Acts. Okay, it's one of those like, it's a key. All right, It literally unlocks so much else of what you're going to see. All right, your Bible may begin by saying the Acts of the Apostles, how they've entitled this book. Literally, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the Apostles or in the church. All right, so this is crucial that you get this verse of what's happening here. You're going to miss so much of what happens in Acts. Verse 8 of Acts chapter 1, Jesus says to them, But you will receive power when? When what? He says the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's then that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it says, verse 14, that they continued, the church kept gathering together. All right, so Jesus, then after this, he ascends back to the Father and literally physically rises in the clouds. And for about a period of ten days between when Jesus rises up back to the Father in heaven and when the Holy Spirit comes down, there's about a ten-day period where it says they are there devoting themselves to prayer. Verse 14 of Acts chapter 1. And some other things happen as well during that time. But So this kind of lays the groundwork of what's happening here. Now, I want you to just kind of see this in verse 4. It's, it's very, very important. Look what he just says to them. He tells them to wait what? For the promise of the Father, which is ultimately what? The Holy Spirit coming upon them. This is crucial. Why? Think about this. These guys, for a period of three years, have walked beside Jesus. They have seen Jesus take the Hebrew happy meal of five loaves and two fish and feed thousands upon thousands of people. They have seen Jesus heal a woman that was bleeding and sick that no one else could heal. No doctor could heal her. No, she had spent all she had, it said, but instead of getting better, she grew what? Worse. And a touch from Jesus healed her. A leper who was literally the outcast in the society. Jesus touches them, the unthinkable, and he touches them. And in fact, they are made whole. Jesus encounters funerals. And funerals, instead of saying, hey, listen, let's just keep marching on. He says, no, stop. I'm going to touch them. And that young man is going to literally physically rise up from the dead. They have heard Jesus preach and teach not only publicly, but so much privately. And if that wasn't enough, they saw this guy live a sinless, perfect life and then die on a cross. And if that was the end, then it would just it would have been a great story. But on the third day, by the power of God, they saw him come back to life. So these guys aren't hurting for something to speak about, is my point. So why would Jesus say to Peter, who is the foundation of the church, and the other apostles, wait? Because you and I need to catch something here. You can know every answer the Bible has to offer. You can be in this church all your life. You can have every answer up and down. You can have all this wisdom and knowledge. But if you don't have the Spirit of God, you are not filled and equipped to accomplish the purpose of God. It is impossible to be the witness God has called you to be, devoid of the Spirit of God. 
that is absolutely at the foundation of what's happening in Acts and of all the New Testament and the church of the people of God. So this morning, I want to just kind of walk just for a moment with through four more examples of how this folds out. All right, so you kind of see it there, right? They're, they're going to receive power. The Holy Spirit's come. So watch how this begins to unfold. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 says in verse 1, the day of Pentecost arrives. Okay, this is 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. 10 days after he's ascended into heaven. It says they're all together in one place. And verse 2 says there's a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And all of a sudden these divided tongues as a fire appear and come and rest on them. And verse 4 says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So now you kind of see the traffic light imagery. I want to try to get that in you. Maybe it'll make sense. If it doesn't, then let it go. But we have Jesus speaking in Acts 1.8 about the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. That's the Word of God. God's spoken to them. This is what's going to happen. Hey, I want you to know. But before they can act, now in verse 4, the Spirit of God fills them. You're going to see this. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a common refrain throughout the book of Acts. And it's then, note that, look what it says, verse 4 of Acts 2. It's then that they begin to speak. Why? Because the Spirit has to give the utterance. Now, if you're wondering what are the tongues, in fact, if you read Acts chapter 2, the text interprets it for you, telling it's other languages. They're literally speaking in languages unknown to them. So it's the Spirit of God at work in this. A second example that I want to show you today through the book of Acts of how this unfolds, how God speaks, how God fills us to ultimately accomplish His plan, takes place in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John have just been brought in before the authorities and they're warned and threatened, listen, you guys, don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. And they have that little banner back and forth with the religious leaders of that day by simply saying this. Hey, you guys got to decide if it's right for you, if you need to obey men rather than God. But as for us, verse 20 of Acts 4, we can't help speaking about what we have seen and what we've heard. They go back to the church and they tell them, hey, listen, they further threaten them and they release them. And they go back to the church and they tell them in Acts chapter 4, this is what God's done. And watch what happens right here. Again, this is just this example of how this unfolds in the text. Verse 24 of Acts 4. When they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. All right? Literally, that means they're praying. The church comes together. They pray. And look what they begin to do. They say, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage? And the people plot in vain. They're citing Psalm chapter 2. And they're going to take Psalm 2 and they're ultimately going to apply it to Jesus. It says, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed. Alright, so they stopped the quoting of that. Alright, so literally they are praying God's Word back to Him. That's something I would tell you is absolutely transformational for your prayer life. Begin praying the Word of God. I don't know about you, but when I'm facing difficult circumstances, I call God to His Word. I say, God, here's what your word says. Here's what I'm dealing with. I'm trusting in the faithfulness of your word. God, I'm praying your word back to you. God, you promise never will you leave me. Never will you forsake me. My feelings right now, God, feel like, where are you? Why us? Why me, God? Do you not care? But I know what your word says, God. And so I'm trusting in your word and I'm praying it back, God, that whenever you desire that I would have that feeling again of you being near me. But I'm going to trust in your word. And so they do that. And look what it says in verse 27. Again, they're just further praying after they quote this psalm. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant. Jesus, you see that? They said, listen, the holy servant 
the, the anointed one that David spoke of, they say, that's, that's Jesus. All these things that you said in Psalm 2 are actually unfolding, and it's Jesus. You anointed him, Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. They crucified him, right? Look what happens here. This is crucial. Look what he says in verse 25 of the church as they're praying. Who through the mouth of our father David said by the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? Verse 25 of Acts chapter 4. I don't know if you know this or not, but David is writing Psalm 2. There's some disagreement, but somewhere around the period of 1,000 B.C., a thousand years prior to Christ and literally about a thousand years removed from where they are. And these guys look and read Psalm 2 and they say, listen, now I know David was writing that. I know we didn't even live in that day and time, but I want you to know that those words are actually for us. That like this God who says I'm the same yesterday, today and what? Forever, like I never change, that these words that God has spoken a thousand years ago are still just as applicable and they are just as real. Why? Because the Spirit of God has spoken them. So listen, when you sit here today and you say, Blake, God doesn't speak to me, they're taking the Word of God and saying, that's God speaking to us. They don't have some voice from heaven here. Now the building's going to shake in a moment. Yes, it is. But they don't have some vision or some like voice come down out of the sky saying, hey, church, you need to do this. They're just taking God's word and saying, that's God speaking to us. That is crucial. So, again, we have God speaking. Watch what happens though further here in the text. Verse 29 of Acts 4 and says, they, they're, they're still praying, okay? This is how the church is praying. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, and remember when they were praying, they were praying through the word of God. And that was God speaking to them. And watch what happens here again, this formula. Okay, again, the red light. Okay, wait for God to speak. Okay, God's spoken to us through his word. We're we're communing with him through prayer. Watch what happens. The place in which they were gathered together, verse 31 of Acts 4, was shaken. And they were all again, literally the same exact statement, filled with what? The Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Do you see it? It's starting to happen. There's a pattern. God speaks, the Spirit fills, and they live it out. That's what I want you to leave with today. I want you to leave saying, man, God has spoken through His Word. Now God may commune with me further by the Spirit of God as as I look to the Word. He may use others. He may use some great vision or some great moments where God just speaks. But I'm going to anchor in His Word. But I ultimately know I have to have the Spirit of God. I must be filled with the Spirit if I'm going to do the work that God has called me to do. Third example. Third example is maybe one of the most well-known passages in all of Scripture. It takes place in Acts chapter 9. And some of you here Acts 9, you already know. There's a man by the name of Saul of who? Tarsus, right? In Acts chapter 7, he's just had a man by the name of Stephen killed. In Acts 8, it begins, the very Acts 8 begins, chapters one, or verses 1 through 4 of Acts 8, says that Saul is going throughout the world, or throughout literally the area there, but extending further outside of Jerusalem. And he's finding anyone that's the follower of Jesus, and he wants to have them put in jail, persecuted, and even killed. That's what Saul is after. In Acts chapter 9, we pick up with Saul further, and he's on to a place called Damascus. All right? He's headed that way on the Damascus road. Watch what happens in Acts chapter 9, verse 3. As he went on his way, he approached Damascus. Remember, he's going to get Christians to put them in jail, have them killed, whatever he can do. 
And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him again. Now we have God speaking. There's this pattern that's developing throughout the book of Acts. You're starting to pick up on it. God speaking, okay. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. God speaks. God speaks to him and says, listen, I'm Jesus. No, Paul tells us from his own testimony further when he's before Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. He kind of recounts his testimony. I don't know who you share your testimony with. It's literally what God's done in your life, how God's transformed you. Saul is, is, is telling that. He's, his name has changed to Paul. But Acts 26, verse 16, he says, listen, this is what happened. This, this voice from heaven spoke to me and said, rise, stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. This is God's call. This is how God's speaking to Saul of Tarsus. I'm appointing you as a servant and witness. And I'm going to send you to the Gentiles to open their eyes, right? To call them out of the darkness, to bring them into the light. Saul says, that, that's, that's how it happened for me. Do you notice that? He said, I've appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a witness. Do you think about that? Do you ever think about why you are where you are? Why are you in that family? Why you are where you are? Do you ever wonder that? Why, why are you in this family? Why are you that younger brother or sister, older brother? Why are you this uncle or aunt or cousin? Or why do you have those nephews or nieces? Why are you on? Why do you work that job? Do you ever wonder that? God, like, why am I in this? This job is this. God, why? Do you ever wonder, like, God, why am I working out in this gym? Like, I mean, I could be in this gym working out. Or I could be at that gym working. I mean, do you ever wonder, God, like, why are my kids on this team? Why do we get on this team, God? Do you ever wonder that? I would tell you that it's for a purpose. And if you're in Christ, God has appointed you and sent you to that team or to that gym or to that family or to that job to be his witness, to share the good news. As a kid, um, we lived next to my grandparents. And, man, one of my favorite vegetables as a kid, and I still love them today, Tomatoes. Man, I don't know any of, you, any of you like tomatoes. I used to love to run down to my grandparents' garden, and that thing was absolutely massive. Now, it's funny how things as a kid, like you come and like come back now, I'm like, man, it's not nearly as big as I thought it was. But, I mean, as a kid, you're like, oh, right? I remember I get to love to run down there and get the, especially the small little cherry tomatoes and pull them off the vine and eat them. But something would often happen, all right? I, I, I don't know about you, but I love to kind of like watch things and like see them kind of unfold. And I mean, I, sometimes I'll be honest with you, I'm guilty of like letting things spoil because I'm like, man, I just, I'm not sure I can eat that today. It's just so good. I don't want to like waste it. I want to save it. That would happen often with some tomatoes. I don't know if you've ever been there, but man, you've been eyeing that one. It's just getting so juicy and so ripe and you're just waiting for the right time. And then you show back up that next day and that baby's on the vine and it's rotten or it's on the ground and it's rotten. Some of you are there. You've been watching and you're waiting for the absolute perfect opportunity or day to share the gospel or to open up that door. Or something's going to happen. And all around you, the souls of men and women, boys and girls are rotting. And you're waiting for the perfect time. Paul will tell you and I, 2 Corinthians 6 and 2, that today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Quit waiting for that perfect opportunity. Why, if I just get one more time, if I'll get next to them in the gym, or one more time if we're just sitting next to each other in the bleachers, or if I just see them in the next row, God. It's now the season. Jesus says, open your eyes. The fields are ripe for the harvest. Quit waiting. 
Share the gospel. So watch what happens with Saul. Remember, God spoke to him. Verse 20 says in Acts chapter 9 that immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying he's the Son of God. And you're going to hear that. And you're going to say, yeah, Blake, that's awesome. But I'm not Saul, dude. I'm not like Saul. I don't have the ability to share like Saul. I mean, if I was just more like Saul or more like Paul there, I, I mean, I, I would absolutely do that. Maybe you're here today and that's maybe what you're feeling or thinking. I, I want this just to kind of crash over you like maybe you've ever been at the beach at some point in some big wave. It's just absolutely taking you out. I want you to feel that this just for a moment. Because watch what happens. God sends a man by the name of Ananias to go to Saul. Saul's been blinded by that light. And verse 17 of Acts 9 says he departs and he enters the house and he lays his hands on him. He says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road. He says, listen, remember the God that spoke to you. Again, this is the pattern continually seen in the book of Acts. Remember God speaking to you by which he came and sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled what? Be filled what? With the Holy Spirit. You see it again, again, again. And then verse 20. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus. Do you see that? Now here's the beautiful thing. Do you know the Spirit of God that filled Saul of Tarsus right there to proclaim Jesus immediately? Is the same Spirit of God that will fill you if you repent and believe on Jesus Christ? Do you know that? That's the hope that you have? That the same Spirit that filled Saul of Tarsus, that filled the church in Acts chapter 4, that originally came on the church in Acts chapter 2, it's not, the, it's not a different Spirit. You've not got like a less... like You've got the clearance Spirit. I'm sorry, he's a little deficient, right? He's been returned several times, but hopefully all the parts are there. You've received the same Spirit they have. And it's by faith in the Son of God. How would you ever receive God's Spirit? Maybe you're wondering, but there's no way I would ever be able to receive God's Spirit. Then you would hear Brother Corey sharing in Acts chapter 25 there, or Psalm 25 this morning, where he said, Lord, remember not the sins of my youth. I don't know if you heard that. I just almost had to like, ooh, God, ooh, yes. Don't even remember the sins of my yesterday. This past week, Lord. Did you hear what the... Psalm said 25, though he said, But in love remember me. In your love remember me. How will God remember you? One of two ways. He'll either remember you in your sins or who by love, by the grace of His Son, Jesus Christ, He will remember you and look at you as He looks at His own Son and He will see you sinless. How? Because on the cross, Jesus Christ died not for His own sin, but for yours that if you would repent of your sins, that you would put your faith and trust in Christ who died on the cross for you, you could be forgiven and cleansed of all your sin. But not only that, you could have the perfect righteous life of Christ and the Spirit of God would fill you and empower you and transform you just like it's happening here in the book of Acts. That's what's unfolding before us. The fourth example that I want to show you is in Acts chapter 10. It's from the life of Peter. It's when God does literally maybe the unthinkable to the Jewish people. He opens the door to the outcasts, the Gentiles. God begins to use Peter to reach out and bring them in and let everyone know God will accept anyone and everyone who will repent and believe on His Son. Acts chapter 10, watch what happens here. Verse 9, it says that Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. So we got Peter praying. It says in verse 10, he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were there preparing it, he fell into a trance. He's going to tell us in verse 17, that's a vision. Right? He's saying, am I having a vision? God's speaking to me while I'm praying. Verse 15 says, the voice came to him again a second time. And what God has made clean, do not call common. It says this happened 
Three times. Notice that. Three times God speaks to Peter. This is important, right? Catch this. This is hopefully as encouraging to you as it was to me. And watch what it says in verse 19. Peter was pondering the vision. Three times God literally physically speaks to Peter. And he still doesn't know what to do. I don't know if you've ever been there, but like, I mean, you just had moments like where, man, it, I mean, it seems so clear to everybody else, like what you should do. God's, I mean, but you are struggling to know what should I do, God, relationally, job, finances. God, what should I do? Peter's there too. And what I would tell you today is, I, I would encourage you if you would just pray this prayer. Maybe you're there right now and you are not certain what to do. I would encourage you just to pray this prayer. It's not my words. It's actually the words of the Apostle Paul. It's the church at Ephesus. And in Ephesians chapter 1, he says, I, I want you guys to know, I constantly pray for you. That's what he says there in verse 16. What's he praying? This is beautiful. Paul's telling us how he prays to the church. And again, if you're struggling, God, I don't understand what you're trying to get me to do. God, it, I just don't catch it. Right? My parents are saying that they see it. I mean, I mean, my grand, I mean, my friends seem to see it. But God, I'm just not sure I do. I would encourage you to pray this. God, you're the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. God, may you give me, Father, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation, the knowledge of your Son. Maybe your children are there, grandchildren are there. They don't know what to do. You've got a buddy. that They're just not sure what to do right now. You would just begin praying this over their life. God, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. That means that it's for His will, God. It's according to your plan. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that they're going to start recognizing, God, what you're doing. Look what he says. That you may know what? The hope to which God has called you. God, just speak to them. Do you see that? How he's praying. That they would know it. That God would open it up. Again, look at it again. It's, it's by the Spirit. Again, we have the Spirit showing up everywhere. The Spirit is acting there. Moving. So the text today, right here, as, as Peter is pondering, look what happens. He's still not figuring out. Look what happens. The Spirit initiates. Again, the Spirit now speaks. Verse 19 of Acts 10. and says, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down. Accompany them without hesitation. So again, he's heard the Spirit speak, or God speak, but he's not sure what to do. So that red stoplight's there. And watch what happens in verse 20. He says, For I sent them. The Spirit sends people to Peter. And when that happens, look what he says. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What's the reason for your coming? Peter now acts. So God's spoken. The Spirit has moved, right? He's brought people into Peter's life. He's now aware of it. And now Peter's obedient. I don't know about you, but if you've had moments where God's just, just spoken to you, this week for me, it was in Tuesday morning. Psalm chapter 20 was in my morning reading. And God just spoke to me. He used this text and literally people physically came to me and I got to share this with them. And other people, guess what? They didn't physically come, but as I was reading this text and praying, the Spirit of God was allowing me or using me to pray for them intentionally. God, heal that marriage. Please, God. Right? I mean, God, listen to this. I just want to share it with you. I'll just kind of share how God used His Word to speak to me, the Spirit empowering me to act. All right, that's what I'm trying to show you today. Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you. In the day of trouble. You may not know it or not, but there are people in this church that are in the day of trouble and they need the Lord to answer. Are you praying for them? May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. There's people in this church that are in desperate need of protection. Are you praying God protect them? 
some of them are making very foolish, unwise decisions. And there are people in this church, there are moms and dads and grandparents and others that are very burdened for people they love deeply and care deeply about. And they're following some unwise paths right now. We're praying just like maybe at some point somebody prayed for you when you were making some very unwise decisions. God, have grace on them. Treat them not as their sins deserve. Oh God, you are merciful and gracious. Be kind to them, God. Oh God, be kind to them. I mean, do you see this? This is the Scripture just leading you. The Spirit of God filling you. May send you help from the sanctuary and give you support. Man, I, that's what I'm praying. God, give them help. God, support them. Look, he says further there, God is going to remember it. But he says, may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. Oh God, bring about your desire in them. God, give them your desire. Fulfill your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Do you see? It's just the Word of God. It's using this speaking that you can pray that God would use you to interact and share this with others. The fifth and final example I want to show you today is this. Is that it takes place as the church is gathered together. Maybe something like this morning. It's in Acts chapter 13. And the Spirit is there and begins to move and speak and as the church, this one it says, verse 2 of Acts 13, while the church was worshiping the Lord and they're also fasting, look what happens. It says, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. They're worshiping the Lord and fasting and God speaks. That's a beautiful moment. I don't know when the last time you've been in here and God's spoken and, and you've experienced that. But I hope and pray it does happen, that God speaks, that you're experiencing God speak through His words, through the song, as you just worship, as you pray together. And all this is unfolding. Look what it says here, though. The Holy Spirit tells them, hey, listen, I've called Barnabas and Saul and Barnabas, set them apart. They pray, they lay their hands on them, they fasting further. It says in verse 4, being sent out by the Holy Spirit. You see that? The Spirit now sends them out. Again, so we have this pattern. God speaks, the Spirit acts. They respond and live out the calling. Look what happens there. Verse 4, it says the Spirit sent them out. But we also read in verse 9 that Paul is again, this simpler, simple refrain, he is filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what that empowers him to do? To proclaim the Word of God that others could hear. This is just continually what happens. So let's just make some concluding remarks this morning of how does this help us bring all this to a close? Kind of the first question might be this. Maybe where and when did we see God speak or act in some way? Well, let's just kind of pull it together for a moment. These are some things God just kind of pulled out to me. Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, do you remember what they were doing there? Verse 14, it says they kept devoting themselves to prayer. In Acts chapter 4, the church came together and literally they were praying together. In Acts 9, God just acts independently and He blinds Saul and He begins to unveil His plan. In Acts chapter 10, no, we have Peter on the rooftop and he's praying in Acts 13, we have the church together, worshiping and fasting. Undoubtedly, the church is praying together. So if you're keeping record at home in four of the five accounts, when does God speak and act as His people pray? So if you're wondering today, maybe why is God not speaking or acting? I'm asking you a serious question. Are you praying? Are you coming to Him? Are you giving Him time to even speak? More than 30 seconds at a stoplight. There's nothing wrong with 30 seconds at a stoplight. I do it all the time. But my point is it shouldn't be just 30 seconds at a stoplight. With your radio going and your latest podcast on. There should be times, Jesus says, you need to find a secret place. 
Go see your father that's unseen. You and the father alone. But not only alone, not only when did God speak, right? The church was praying, but where, where was this often happening? Look with me if you would again, back in the text. Acts chapter 1 and 2, who's all together? The church is. In Acts chapter 4, when God speaks and fills, where's happening? The church is together. In Acts chapter 9, who's a, in Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 10, what do we have? Paul and Peter are both alone. But what happens immediately? Saul is connected to a man by the name of, by the name of Ananias and ultimately right along that connected to the church. Peter, what happens immediately after God speaks? God sends people to him. He connects them to the church. Acts chapter 13, who's together again? The church. So I want to ask you today, this is, this is what the pattern that God's laying before us. If you're desiring for God to speak, to see the Spirit of God move, it's happening in community. The church being together. And I'm going to be really honest with you. A lot of you today, you're worshiping amongst strangers. I mean, you've got like a surface relationship with a lot of people, but the truth is, you may not know how to pray for one other person in this, this building. And I want to ask a further question. Does anybody even know how to pray for you? I mean, the church is to bear one another's burdens, but if you're living Lone Ranger, nobody can know. The church is to be a family. You should know about one another. You should know one another's struggles. You can't do it with everybody. It's impossible. But there should be folks around here that know the heartaches that you carry, the burdens you carry, the weaknesses and temptations of sin that you have. And you should be able to share that with them. And they should be sharing back with you. And you should be praying for each other and encouraging each other. This is the community of believers. That's what's happening. But not only that, look, here's another further just a question. Maybe why did God speak? You wonder that? Like, what's God's motive in all these situations? Every single one of them was the same. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, why did God speak and why did God fill them that they would proclaim the word of God? In Acts chapter 4, why did God speak and why did God fill them with His Holy Spirit? Verse 31 says that they could proclaim the word of God. And verse 33 further says that they would give the testimonies with great power. Acts chapter 9, why did Saul, Saul of Tarsus, why did God speak to him? Why did God fill him? Verse 20 says, so that he could proclaim the word of God about Jesus. In Acts chapter 10, why did God speak to Peter? Why did he give him this vision? Why did the Spirit move and bring people into his life? Verse 34, so he could proclaim to them the good news about Jesus. Acts 13, why did God speak? Why did God give the Holy Spirit? Verse 7, so they could proclaim the word about Jesus. a really personal question. Is there really any need for God to fill you with His Spirit? I mean, do you have any desire to do any of this? Kind of stinging question, but just being honest for a moment. If this is what God's filling His people to do, to proclaim the good news about Jesus, we, we see many other things. Now, I'm not saying it's just the only sole reason why God would fill us with His Spirit, ultimately to glorify Christ, but it is to share the Gospel. If there's no sharing of the gospel in your life, you may be wondering, God, why am I not being filled with your spirit? You need to come back and say, you see this and you say, God, forgive me, Lord. I have no desire to share your word or very little. God, forgive me. God, I want you to speak to me. God, I've been away from the church. It's more than a building or a collection of people on a Sunday morning. God, please forgive me this morning. God, I want you to speak, Lord. I want your spirit to fill me. God, I want to tell my family and friends and co-workers and, and everywhere I go about Jesus, Lord. That's what's happening here. So I want to ask just a couple of questions in clothing. 
closing. Some of you are here and you never see the Spirit of God because you've never repented and believed on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm asking you today, do you sense the Spirit of God drawing you? Do you see how powerful God's Spirit is to change and transform even someone like Saul who hated anyone that followed Jesus? He changed him and immediately. Some of you are in need of immediate life change. I'll tell you there's only one place you can go that happen. It's the name is Jesus Christ. He is the great healer. He is merciful and kind and gracious. He will not treat you as you and my sins deserve. He is loving and gracious to draw you to Him. Not only that, I would share with you, ask you a question today. You're here today and you're already a child of God. But you see this and you see God's pattern of speaking, of God filling, of God using the people of God. And you realize that that's not happening a whole lot in your life. This morning, would you repent? Would you say, God, just forgive me of that? God, please fill me, Lord. Now listen, to fill you, He may have to empty you of other things. God, change my desires for those things, God. Empty me out. And finally, there's others here that I want to ask a very serious question to. You've for a long time been saying that you're in Jesus, but there's little indication that God's Spirit has actually filled you. There's no desire for His Word, no desire to tell anyone about Christ, little desire to be with the church, little desire for prayer. Much enjoyment and sin. Now again, Romans 8 would tell you that only God's Spirit can bear witness with your spirit that you're truly a child. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. But if you're here today and these things are not happening, you've got to ask some serious questions. You say, Blake, you've got a lot of audacity to ask me that. No, that's biblical. It's biblical because Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Is God's Spirit bearing witness with your spirit that you're His child? You say, Blake, I'm here and I've got some serious questions today. Great. Then I would compel you to return, baby, back to the confession that you once made, confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, repenting of your sins, believing and trusting only in Christ, asking for God to fill you with His Spirit. Don't leave here today pretending God knows your heart. Do you know, are you walking with Him? Is there a peace of God that passes understanding between you and Him only through His Son, Jesus? This is your eternity! Brothers and sisters, this is your eternity of your soul! Lord, have mercy! Do you get this? This is eternity for you forever and ever. I mean, I can't make that any more drastic. This is the eternity of your soul. You will either experience eternity with God where there is peace and joy forever, or you will be in outer damnation, cast away from His presence and everything that is good, where Jesus says there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is your eternity. I'm setting it before you today, and I'm asking you to seriously examine your faith. Please, I beg it of you before it is eternally too late. Consider the Word of God before you today. What will you do with Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Will you bow and acknowledge Him as your Lord and Savior today? Or will you turn away and refuse Him? Trust you, the Lord. God, Father.
please, Lord Jesus, please, God, it's eternity. God, His soul's forever and ever, Lord. This is not... God, this is eternal stuff, Lord. And I, I'm not worthy of it, God. I'm, you've called me, God. That's all I know. And I know Your Word's before me. And I do my very best, God, to preach and proclaim it. But, Lord, I realize that I am powerless apart from the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Lord, I'm entrusting them to You. And there's no one else I would rather entrust anyone. My own sons are here this morning. God, I entrust their very souls to You, Lord. Oh, God, please, You are merciful and gracious. Would You speak and would You draw men and women, boys and girls, to You today? Would You cause us... You said You have set eternity in the hearts of all people. God, calls us to think about eternal things. Fix our eyes on Jesus, Lord. God, I pray for serious self-examinations this morning, God. Speak, Lord. Speak to Your people. Call people, just like You did Saul, out of the darkness into the light. Please, Father... Trust only in the name of Jesus. It's His name we pray, Lord. Amen.